chapter 14. When you turn there, stand with me. We're going to open up with prayer. Uh, say prayer for those. Amen. Might help, might help the kids out if they want to go to class there. Amen. Good to see you. Bless your heart. Amen. But uh, we're, uh, you know, well, let me say this. I got good news and I got bad news before we pray. Good news is, did you see all four of the wheels on our van running today? Amen. Bad news is, it's got an issue. There's a nut behind the wheel. Sister Arnell, she's driving our, and fired up the church van and got it going again, so we're going to get a route going. Her and Sister Joy are working together as a team. And, uh, man, I'm excited. I am excited. Uh, it, may take, it may take a few weeks to get it up, but I, I have a feeling that uh, it won't be long we'll be filling that thing up. Amen. Before we pray, uh, remember, Brother and Sister Horner, in your prayer today. Um, Brother Horner's off of work, actually, the rest of the month for sure, but uh, believe that there, he has a hernia, may have to have an operation, but he's running a, a fever right now. And so remember him, Sister Horner, not feeling well at all, so... Um, pray for them. Uh, how many have something on your heart today? Pray for Sister Destiny. She's with us here. She's transitioned to Ball State. Amen. Amen. And so we're excited for her. I know she's nervous, so remember her starting out. Amen. Y'all connect with her. Make her feel, amen, make her feel comfortable. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for this opportunity today, Lord. We thank you, Lord God, for the things that you're doing, Lord. Thank you, Lord God, for the power of the Holy Ghost in our lives, God, that keeps us. Lord, I pray, God, that you minister to these, Lord God, that are down in their bodies, Lord. God, that need, Lord God, healing, deliverance. God, I pray, God, that you help us, Lord Jesus, God, to accomplish your will today, Lord. God, speak to our hearts, Lord God. Help us, Lord Jesus, to be what we need to be, Lord, in these last days, Lord. I pray that you bless destiny, Lord God, as she moves forward, Lord. God, I pray that you give her a peace, Lord, a joy, Lord Jesus. God, surround her, Lord God, with those, God, that would encourage her, Lord. We ask you for your favor today in this class. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you. You can be seated. Look at your neighbor and say, this is the old class. <laughs> yeah, we're the, we're the pillars class. We're, we're holding it all up. Amen, amen. St. John chapter 14, we're going to read verses 1 through 4. Real familiar uh, passage of Scripture, especially uh, in our ranks. But uh, I want to talk about today a little bit about hope. Look at your neighbor and say, hope, hope. St. John chapter 14, verse number 1, Jesus speaking here. Let not your heart be troubled. Boy, it's kind of difficult to do sometimes. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions, many abodes. If it were not so, I would have told you. I, notice this, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. Verse 4, and whether I go, where I go, you know, and the way you know. Back up to verse number 3 there, he says, if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. Amen. The title of the, our lesson today is The Hope of the church. Somebody say hope. Hope. Thank you. You could be seated. I like to talk about the church. If you haven't noticed, I like to talk about, amen, because the Lord loved the church. He loves, amen. He, he's, he gave his life for us, and we should not take it for granted. Uh, oftentimes, I ask myself, and I even when I talk to the Lord at times, I ask the Lord if I'm taking things for granted because there's times that you feel um, bummed, depressed, bothered, irritated, frustrated. You feel something, and you don't know why. You look around. You've got health. You, you know, everybody, the family's fine. You know, you're not broke. You're not 
scraping for the last penny or you're, you got food, you got shelter. I mean, there's just really when you sit back and think about it, you think, well, there's no reason to feel what I feel. But how many realize that we fight a spiritual battle? And in that spiritual battle, we have to realize it affects our emotions as well. Amen. And I believe today, reading St. John 14, I think it's a, a good read for us to understand about our emotions and our feelings. I want to talk about that a little bit. Amen. But I, I want to start by saying that there's, there's just several, when it comes to the return of the Lord, and the Lord said, I'm coming back, there's several different attitudes uh, throughout the religious ranks uh, and even in the world about Jesus' second coming, about him, him coming back. Some find little hope, some find little comfort in talking about the, the Lord coming back. I don't believe as Christians we should be bothered or worried about his coming. I believe he, he'll warn us. I believe he'll prepare us. I believe he's doing that in, in a lot of different ways. But uh, I believe that we ought to take comfort and not worry about the things that we're seeing taking place. Look at your neighbor and say, they have to happen. They have to happen for one simple reason. It's God said it. God let us know there's some things that's going to happen and funnel down to the last days. And so we've got to understand it's going to happen. So we've got to make sure we keep our emotions and our feelings in line. Because some, some and most are just unbelievers, I would say, not, you know, not really what I would call true Christians, feel that uh, you know, it's totally unnecessary to, to think about the Lord coming back or worry about the Lord coming back or be concerned about it. Simply because, and you can see it more prevalent in the world today, then when I first started serving the Lord, uh, some feel like, man, we have the capability, we have the capacity to solve our own issues and our own problems. Whatever I go through, whatever I'm doing, I can fix it. There's elements that's true to that, but there's some things it takes God. It takes the Lord. It takes our faith. There's some things that we've got to understand that, amen, God has, we have to allow God to do. End time things are one of those things. We've got to allow God to do what he said he's going to do in the last days. In fact, I want you to go ahead and be turning to 2 Timothy chapter 3 because we'll read exactly what was said, and I think we're there. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses, I think, what is it, 1 through 7? I want to read, I want to read them pretty fast. And I think it's important for us to remind ourselves uh, every once in a while because it's not only directed toward, you know, some say this is directed toward uh, uh, leadership and directed toward uh, just the church. And, but I, I think it's, it's, it's letting us know some things uh, that we should realize. Second uh, Timothy chapter 3, we say it all the time. Know this. Knowledge is powerful. Knowledge is powerful. Know this also, that in the last days, peerless times. Wow, think about that. Peerless times shall come. Now, this is really the whole period between the writing of this letter and the Lord's return. So once this was penned and once this was put out, then guess what? This is the timetable. And it lets us know that there's going to be perilous times. There's going to be different times, times of apostasy. And I think it's important that we uh, make sure we put it in the right perspective. Men, somebody say people, all of us. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, Unthankful, this is to the church, unholy. If there's a time that holiness needs to have somebody stand for it, it's now. Standards of living for God and being separated and being uh, in, in moderation is totally different today because it has to be, it seems like it has to be from one extreme to the other and nothing middle of the road. And that's what gets the attention. That's what gets, amen, you know, that's what... The, 
gets everybody's attention. Without natural affection, think about that. Do we really care about others? Or is it just about ourselves? Do we have any concern? Listen to me, church. This is really for the church. Do we have concern for the lost? I mean, if I mean, we've got into a mode to where we are just maintaining. I've got to maintain myself. And trust me, I understand. If you're not getting yourself together, you're not going to be a help to somebody else. That's true. But when we find our, listen to me, when we find ourselves spending so much time fixing this and keeping this in check and in line, we have nothing, no time for nothing else. That's got to change. Without natural affection, truth breakers, false accusers, incontent, fierce, despisers of those, oh Lord, bunch of do-gooders sitting out there and do-gooders, despiser of those that do good. Why would it bother somebody for somebody to do something nice, something good? What's wrong with us serving the Lord? Why is it bothering the world? If the church and coming to church and being a part of the church is not that important, then why is the world so against it? Why does your family want to point it out to you? Think about these things. This is what he, this is what he pinned. It's what he's saying. Traitors, heady. High-minded, lovers of pleasure. That's why we have less church today. We are busy. Nod your head. Give me a denominal nod. Whether you say amen or not, it's true. We have geared our kids. We have geared our children. We have geared our grandchildren to go after things, everything but the church. I'm talking to our class. We want them involved in everything from ballet to sports. But when it comes to the church, we just don't have time, Bishop. We just, we're just covered up. I mean, because anything that you're involved in, there's practices, there's activities, there's banquets, there's all these things. And you know me, I'm not reasonable, not against it. But I did draw lines. I absolutely drawed lines. And so you've got to, we've got to learn because he says these are things that's going to be happening in the last days. And when I first started preaching, you did not see soccer fields full on Sundays. Look at us today. And I'm not, a, I'm not, and I'm not speaking about those particulars. I'm just saying this is what the world, this is what we're moving to. Lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. Because we can, we can say what we want to, but anything, I don't care whether it's working out in a gym or whether it's going to some sporting or going to the moon. When we put something before God, anything, our families, we put our families before God in some cases. My dad will tell you, we've made our families mad over the years. We do not do family reunions on Sunday. I don't care what you all do. Because when you talk to, oh, well, we can't give up our Saturday. Good, because I can't give up my Sunday. There's times you've got to draw lines in the sand. And you say, these are the things that's going to be happening in the last days. Having a form of godliness. Oh, I go to church. Whoop-de-doo. I have a church. Whoop-de-doo. How about this? I love the Lord. Whoop-de-doo. Those are just words. They're not actions. Actions. Having a form. But denying the power thereof. And that involves churches. There's churches today that the word of God's being shared. Things are happening. But where's the power? One thing I watch for in every service, not just once in a while. One thing I watch for in everything we do. We try to find the anointing of God, the power of God in every service. Sometimes it's in the word. Sometimes it's in the worship. Sometimes it's in prayer. We've got to have the anointing. We've got to have the power of God. And he says, listen, denying the power thereof. Now, from all these things, look what he says. From such, what do we do? 
Get away from it. Leave it alone. Turn away. <laughs> For of this sort, they, uh, they which creep into houses, lead captive silly women. Was that, was, all, that, all that means is they just are impulsive. Read it. That's what you'll see. And lead captive silly women, impulsive, laid with sins, led away with different lusts. Ever, oh, if this is not our generation, I don't know what is. Ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. There's a form of godliness. There is a light that is not the light of God. The, the devil can pass himself off as an angel of light. It can be very deceptive. It's all, he's always been Sly, he's always been cunning, amen. From the garden on, every time, ever since we've met the enemy, he's always been real slick, real cunning. Because here, the apostle is pointing and letting us know it's pointing to an increase of selfishness. I don't know about you, but in my own life, in my own generation, I'm not talking about generations before or generations after me, in my own generation, I've never seen it so prevalent as today. We are selfish. We might as well admit it. I don't want to give up my time. I don't want to give up my resources. I worked hard for this. Come on, we've all said those things. I deserve a break. I want this church to know something. I don't care whether you're a leader or who you are. Church, this church should, should come first in your life. You're a part of this body, not another body, not something else. When you're divided, you're divided. Our church, and especially when you know there's a need. I, oh, I could take you to the parable. Uh, the Samaritan on the side of the road, bleeding, hurting. There was a need. The church didn't do anything about it. The ministry didn't do anything about it. Someone, amen, that you wouldn't think are the ones that stopped and, and took care of it. Come on. That, that is a sign. That is a teaching moment for us to realize when there's a need, if you have a talent, use it for God. Not when it's convenient for you. Who wants to sacrifice their time driving a bus when we all dismiss and go out to eat? Maybe they're still running their route. Who wants to deal with kids in the back? And then the preacher and everybody out here talking about, let's put about 30 of them back there instead of 15. Thank you. No. It's, <laughs> these are the things that we've got to understand that, amen, is happening. In the last days, we should be more aware especially of our own feelings about these things. Because we're told in the last days, here's the things that's going to unfold. And it's going to happen in the hearts of men. It's not the things that we, it's in the heart. Because the things that we love, love the most is what we try to do. Yeah. Because when you love something, I'd say we're there. I'd say in a lot of circumstances, we are here, amen. This word is for now. But see, for the church, the return of the Lord and the, and, 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 and the feelings that Jesus spoke when he spoke to his disciples about, hey, listen, I'm getting ready to go away. And, and I stop and think, especially from the emotional standpoint, and, and I've talked about this before. Think about how you feel now, how somebody does you, that you're close to. about it. Think about somebody, amen, that has told you for years they love you and walk away like it's nothing. Whether it's marriage, whether it's relationship, friendship, whether it's church. Come on, we've had great revival. We've had great men of God standing on this platform. We've had great revivals. For what reason? We're still 
Now we're, we're back trying to rebuild. Think about it. What causes those things? The Bible lets us know when we don't protect our heart, we'll allow these things to happen. But the church should not allow the emotions. This is what the Lord, this is why I say, read St. John 14. Every once in a while, read it. Because what happened? Jesus calls you. Jesus called them. And now he says, hey, listen, I'm getting ready to go away. I left my job. I left my family. Come on, I have sacrificed this time, with, and you're going to leave me? Because look what, they put their confidence, they put their faith, they put their protection in the hands of Jesus. They learned to lean on him more. And now he's looking at them and saying, I- I'm going to go away. I'm going to leave you. I'm going I'm to let you stay here in this mess. Thank you. No, look at the emotional side of things. Think about how we feel now about things, and I call them smaller things. But think about how we feel about things now. Somebody says boo to you, and you're ready to fall apart. Somebody says you're worthless, and you must believe it. Because we have to react to it. No, you don't have to show nothing. Your walk with God should be so secure that when the Lord says, listen, I'm going to leave you alone for a while, and you're going to be on your own, you're going to have to fight these devils, but I've given you what you need. Come on, sometimes we don't want to hear that nonsense. Our, from our emotional side, we don't want that because we're scared. If you was here the other day, you know what that You're scared Wednesday night. Tongues interpretation, sometimes every word's not, you know, the best of the best is in what vocabulary somebody's able to speak in. Ain't. But when you think about what Jesus told them, because the disciples, I believe, must have been surprised when Jesus told them that he's going away. They had to be. And to top it off, and to top it off, he says, you can't go with me. Well, you told me to follow you. You told me to go with you. Why can't I go now? Think about that, just from a human standpoint. Because the hope in the near future, and this is what we've got to see in, in some of this in the Word, the hope in the near future was what? It was smashed to them. Come on, where do we go from here? Somebody hurt you. Something happened, and it caused you, amen, to feel like you've been crushed. And now you look around, which way do I go? What do I do? Because it was surprising to them. Hey, listen, I'm going to go away, and you can't go with me. It crushed, it had to crush them. It had to smash their hope in the future because they left everything, jobs, family, amen, the plans, the goals that they were possibly thinking about before Jesus shows up. Well, this is a good example for some of us just starting out, some of you young people just starting out. You may plan, you may have goals, you may think of all these great things, but you better leave room for the Lord to mess it up. Because I promise you, He will. Just when you think you're rolling in a Cadillac. You'll find yourself on that mitz bus. What happened here? Come on, no, and I'm just trying to make it to where we can understand the feelings that they had to experience. Because we take some things because it's the word of God. We take some things because it already happened. We think, well, it was easy. It was not easy. We think it was easy. And sometimes because we think things in the word of God that happened to them, we think it was easy because it already happened. It seemed like they got through it. We think, well, what I'm going through, now we feel more guilty. Because I don't feel easy to me. Because I'm not understanding what's going on. They were leaning on Jesus for their every all their needs. They they had put their faith in Him because Jesus was basically their security. And yeah, I, I'm sure their heads were troubled. I'm sure they were bothered. Jesus knew their hearts, did He not? Do you don't think the Lord don't know your heart? Careful, careful. See. With me and you, you might try to protect and hide things and things. 
him, you can't. So when I say he knows your heart, he knows it. He knows the good thoughts and the bad. He knows what we allow. He knows what we're willing to listen to. Oh, come on. I've met people are just so prone to, I mean, let some garbage be over it, and they're ready to get to it. Because I want to be in the know. Garbage is garbage. Gossip is gossip, no matter how much we try to sugarcoat it and make it icing like on cake. It's not. Talking about things is not a good thing in a, in a bad light, especially when we talk about brothers and sisters. Think about it. We do. And sometimes we get caught up in that emotional side of it, and we just have to catch ourselves and stand back and say, hold it. Lord, forgive me. Help me to know better next time when I hear that garbage to get away from it. Doesn't the scripture let us know to avoid the very appearance of wrongdoing or evil? Didn't say evil. I mean, evil itself is one thing. Avoid the, if it looks shady. You know, in my generation, if, it's, if it looks too good to be true, Sister Charlotte, leave it alone because it's probably too good to be true. Come on, when you get something that's a thousand dollars and the guy says, I'll take a hundred, you better run. Because you're going to get what you paid for. It doesn't happen that way, at least very often. Think about it. Because Jesus knew their hearts and he did not leave there without a great promise. Now, that's the thing. With all the things that we, we read and all the things that's going to happen, perilous times in the last days, so what? Yeah, that's the word of God. We're seeing it happen. We're living possibly in that very moment. We are living in that time. But what does that mean? There's, we still have the promises of God. God said he'll never leave you or forsake you if you believe it. He said he'll never leave me or forsake if I believe it. But the moment I get myself in a mental jam, guess what? I have to decide whether I'm going to believe he's in this mess. Come on, you heard me say before. I don't know how many places I've been. I don't know how many times in the church I've had people bouncing off the walls and you're standing there watching them like a ping pong ball. And when they get done, you say, well, I don't know, but the Lord's in it in some way. The Lord's here. I don't want to hear that. Well, I mean, he is. I, I may not have the answers right now, but I know at some point we'll look back and say, oh, Lord. Boy, did I, did I miss it? Did I not know exactly where the, the disciples were? The, the Lord said, listen, I'm going to go away, but I'm, I'm going to come back. But here's a promise. It's only temporary. It's only temporary. Look at your neighbor and say, you're only temporary. You are only temporary. Watch me. In this church, in this life, in your body, you're only temporary. Because it should be whatever God wants. Period. God wants you to do something. He's going to make a way. Not you have to plow your way for it. Let me say it again. You don't have to plow your way through things. God will make a way. And to me, I've learned if it don't flow, leave it alone. Because the Lord wants you to learn sometimes. And sometimes we have to go through things that we don't think. But he let him know a temporary departure. It's just a temporary separation. He says, because what did he say? I will come again. Now I'm thinking about, here's what I'm thinking about doing. I'm thinking about going away for a while. You know, get me a little beach condo. Take a little break because y'all getting on my nerves. Oh, that was, that's me. That's, that's not the word. No, the Lord said, listen, because at, at that moment, things were just getting really hectic. Life was getting really tough for all of them. It was, they were upsetting the world with the gospel. Things were happening. Things were taking place. And now the Lord says, okay, I'm taking a break. I'm getting out of here. I'm going to leave you here. But it's only temporary. I will come again. 
What? When I mess it up? You're going to wait until I mess it up and then come back? No. No, he said, here's what's going to happen. He said, these things are going to take place. This is what's going to happen. Because now we, reading this, we have the knowledge, we have the privilege of believing this great promise. We, how many believe the Lord's coming back? Sooner than what people think. One way or another. Think about it. We have, the, we have the knowledge, we have the privilege of believing this great promise as a major truth. Mark what I say. Major truth. It's going to happen. I don't care who's in leadership. It's going to happen. I don't care what the global world is doing. It's going to happen. I don't care what disease or famine or, or how the job situation or the market is. Yes, all these things affect us, but it, listen to me. It affects us temporarily because I'm a firm believer. If things get so bad, you know what the Lord's going to do? He's going to take me out of here. He's going to disconnect me from this madness. Come on. What's wrong with that? Sometimes we have a fear of dying. Sometimes we don't want to, I mean, we, we don't want to die because we want to stick around for various reasons. And that's okay. The Lord understands that. Don't think for one minute God wants you to hate your life and get out of it. If you hate your life and want to get out of it, that's not godly. Because we're not satisfied in the state and we're not content in the state that we're in. Paul says, listen, I have to learn how to adjust. How many have to learn in our generation? How many have to learn the last few years how to adjust? I love technology and I hate it. I love to be able to push a button and turn it on, even from a distance. Oh, I love, love them. Clear, good, I mean, just awesome. Love that. But when they don't work, around even week when things ain't working good on that computer, which is often. We pay good money for internet service, and man, sometimes it's slow as molasses. You know, yeah! We've got, I mean, I have to have a book of passwords. I was, I even told this Lord, not to the Lord, not too long. You know, Lord, I remember when I could remember a hundred or better phone numbers. When we had landlines, you had to call people, you had to remember their number. Three, three, four, four, five, four, five. You know, you had to remember. My Lord, now it's number three or number one. You know, dad, number one, number three on your, and, and, and heaven forbid, leave it somewhere and ask sister, let me use your phone so I can, well, no, I can't call them because I don't know their number. So it's good and bad. It's, it's made us smarter, but it's made us dumber. Pardon my expression. Ever learning but never able. There's people when it comes to Christianity, when it comes to the truth, they're able to learn. I know people, and I worked in a prison for years, I knew men that read this Bible, could quote scripture, but couldn't tell you the plan of salvation to save your life. And that's the most important element of the word of God, the New Testament, is knowing, the, having the ticket of salvation, the key. The keys that was given to Peter. Peter passed on. We have the key to the, to the opening, to the opening of the door. It's salvation. You can't mess with it. You can't, repro listen, you can't reprogram it. You can't make it simple. Preachers today are being measured by, not by people, but by Google. Things that we say from the platform, now people Google it. Is that the truth? So what that means? Just, hmm, not quite, but okay. Oh, well, it's happening. 
uh, more and more preachers, more and more pastors will tell you. People have come to say, well, you know, I looked this up, and this means kind of, well, yeah, it does. In secular terms, it does. You've got to understand what the Spirit is saying to the church. When, when, when uh, Timothy was pinning this down, guess what? what? What did it mean? What did it mean in perilous times? How in the world did he know how we were living today? It had to be the Lord. We have to believe that the Word of God is the inspiration of God. Could men write things, amen, a little different maybe than, yes, because just like I said, their culture, their upbringing, amen, had to help, but they had to have the Word of God given to them to pin some things down. But they used parables, they used situations, they used real life uh, situations to show us what God's trying to point out. You've heard me talk about the Synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Read them. They don't, they don't conflict with each other in some areas like some people try to say they do. It's four different people, maybe in four different areas uh, of where Jesus was talking uh, and picked up on things. Uh, and when I come back and pin out my story, it's going to be just a little bit different from where I see, where my view was, what my education is, what my background is, what I know and what I how, how I know how to pin out things. Some are more, or, more articulate. But it's, it's what's the meat of it that Jesus, that's got to be exposed. And he's, it comes back to the same thing in all of them. That's why it's just different views from different backgrounds and different people and different areas of what's being said, what's being done. Because if I'm over here, I'm going to see this group of people on this side of things react to what's happening different from this side over here where John's over here and he sees the people reacting on this way and this uh, and this guy. And so when I go back and pin it, it may look like it's, but the whole thrust of it is the same. Different writers, same spirit here in our New Testament. I, I, I'm going to give you, you know, I don't like get up here and I don't like ministry to get up here and use a lot of numbers because Really, we get kind of lost in it after a while. But I want to—I wrote this down because one out of every 30 verses, one out of every 30 verses in your New Testament, one out of every 30 verses in your New Testament refers to the return, the second coming of the Lord. One out of 30. What? One out of every 30 verses. That's a lot about the second coming of Jesus. Because we know, going back to Isaiah and going back to Old Testament, we know, even back to Genesis 3, we know there's, there's all kinds of prophecies and all kinds of word about Jesus, the Messiah, his first coming, coming to the earth. We know that there's a multitude of prophecies of his first coming. But for every one verse of his first coming, there are eight verses of his second coming. Eight to one ratio. Now, if you're an odds maker, that's, that's, that's some good odds right there. Eight to one ratio. Because the hope of the church is in the resurrection, is in his resurrection. Just, just as it was then, we have to recognize it today. The, the resurrection and his return. Because if he, didn't, if he wasn't resurrected, he's not going to come back. Apostle Paul said it like this. He said it best. Because if you'll read, uh, let's go to 1 Corinthians 15, 19. Because read 13 through 19 when you get a chance. But just look at verse number 19. He said, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. What does that mean to you when you read that? What is Paul trying to say? He said, listen, if our hope's only in this life, how we're living now, in Christ, then guess what? His resurrection wasn't true. And if his resurrection wasn't true, our view about heaven, about making heaven our home, isn't true. Our, 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 our understanding about these bodies being, uh, being translated and our soul, it's not true. It's not going to happen. Because what he's saying, when you read those verses, you'll find out if there's no resurrection, the bodily resurrection of Jesus is untrue. If, if, if the preaching of the gospel, that makes it a lie. He's not coming back. The words that Jesus said that we just read. Faith, look, faith isn't without meaning. 
pretty stuff. That's why, that's why he's saying. Because believers, we are hopeless in our future. The future prospects that we, we have hope in, what? In the resurrection. <laughs> in one of these days, no more tears, no more pain, no more sorrow. Heaven. All these things are meaningless. All these things mean nothing if we, if we don't believe. Now think about it. So here's, here's the key. If we say we believe, then our actions should prove what we believe. Not what we say, but what we believe. Not what we say, because we say a lot of things. I keep using this illustration. I can say I'm a millionaire. Or, or let, me, let, me, let me make you feel like I have something. I have some money. Kind of like the illusion like, oh, he, he must have a little. There it is. That's about it. Oh, having a few dollars don't make me a rich man. Saying I love the Lord don't mean I really love the Lord. Our actions. What do the Lord say? What, what, what are we given as far as the word goes? And I, I want to drive this home. How will the world know who you are, church? It's our love one toward the other. And I, you've heard me say it, and I, and I get scary sometimes about what some people define as love. But love means that we're going to treat each other better. Love means I love you enough to tell you, hey, got a booger on your nose. I mean, you care about somebody. You don't want to walk around embarrassed. I mean, come on, really. Back in the day, we've gotten good about it. Why? Because we've spoke up. Preachers get up here and preaching, and foaming at their mouth, and that big old balls get in the corner. Remember those days? You're over going. No. When you love somebody, you care about what they're going through. If you love somebody, you see them struggling with something, you go help them. If you can. Today's love is, listen, bail me out. Today's love, come mow my yard. No, love means I'll do things when I know and I hear that you're in need, then we step up and do it. But not just expecting somebody to do something. Because, listen, uh, trust me, I learned this a long time ago, years ago, at the prison. I had a grown man come to me and crying like a baby. He's scared to death. Show me a note. It's a black orchid. Left him a note on his bed. I can't tell you the words, but left him a note on his bed. So I had to ask, so, well, what, 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 what? I said, oh, man, I'm in trouble. What's going on? Well, I said, well you, you know, the note just didn't come. From, what's happened? Well, you know, for about the last month, I, I, I've been noticing that if I, if I say I don't have no cookies, when I come home from uh, the school or from the job, the work inside the prison, if, if, when I come back to the house, that's what they call it, I come back to the house, I got a bag of cookies on my bed. If I say I'm out of pop or out of coffee, when I, when I make mention somewhere, and he said I got to doing that on purpose at different places trying to define who's, who's my buddy, who's, who's looking out for me. I said, let me tell you something. I don't know where you came from, what your background is, but I learned a long time ago, you don't get something for nothing. When something starts showing up, you better question it. And second of all, you started playing those games, and you can't play games like that in this environment because you don't have mom and dad. You don't have somebody else looking out for you. You've got to take care of yourself. And when you're getting something for nothing, that's why you've got this letter. We've been taking care of you. We're everywhere. You don't know where we're at. We're everywhere because we're a group, and we want something from you. Stay with me. Aren't you glad you're serving a God that's not like that? When you have a need... He'll supply it. Sometime read Revelation 19.20, the, the two chapters. Read it sometimes. Because it reveals the great victory 
of Jesus Christ and those who have been faithful to him, to the Lord. Because chapters 19 and 20 don't give us a picture of a cross. It don't give us a picture of rejection or disgrace. Everything that Jesus went through or even death. Because Jesus is now seen as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Can I just say this, church? Listen, don't get the idea that what you're doing is, oh, it's this and somebody else and I'm doing it for... Do it for the Lord, and you'll never regret it. Never. Because he sees and he knows. He says, listen, I will come again, that where I am, you may be also. Titus 2.13. Looking for that blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God, of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. How many of you realize it's not something to worry about? It's a blessed hope. In fact, the older I get, amen, the more, the more I see the word of God becoming true, the more I'm thinking, Lord, do it. Show everybody. I know that's a little bit of a vindictive spirit, but, you know, you say, Lord, I'm tired. been serving you, and people are just starting to drift away. Don't believe it. Church don't mean what it used to. The word of God don't mean what it used to. People are not what they used to be. Why? Because there's a spirit that's overwhelming our population. I'm talking about globally. Our population because it's going, it's going to happen like the Lord says it's going to happen. That means these radical changes, amen, that you see are happening. They're going to happen because people are not going to think like they used to think. They're going to do things so that it's convenient for them to do it so they don't feel bad about it. That's the word of God, Romans chapter 1. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you for your spirit. We thank you, Lord God, for understanding. We thank you for desire, Lord. God, we thank you for the hope that we have in you, Lord. We thank you, Lord God, for the hope that you give us. God, we thank you for the words that you've spoken, God, that we can believe, Lord. You are coming back again. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Take
You say. way we